You're listening to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Adam Gobb. Today on the show, Elizabeth McGee switches chairs and is participating as a bit of a guest alongside Taylor Drury as we're talking about the fiscal year 2024 budget. We're talking about how we got to a below revenue neutral tax rate and what that means for the county budget and for you as a taxpayer. We're here with our first guest ever in the history of Savvy Citizen. It's Taylor Drury, and she's back. She is the assistant director for budget in the budget and strategy department. Taylor, thanks so much for coming back and talking to us again. Thanks for having me. We were just talking before. I think I've been on this podcast more than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's between you and maybe Linda Mingus over at the Cooperative Extension because mm-hmm. it's Linda. Linda was going for gold last year with I, we were doing like one a month with with their office. So oh, wow. she was she was on quite a few. So mm-hmm. I, you guys might have to arm wrestle for the title. <laughs> Taylor's got a good annual bit. Oh yeah, the budget bit. Yeah, yes. basically recurring... telling you where tax dollars are going. <laughs> yeah, recurring budget themed episode (laughs) absolutely so like uh, taylor knows so much about the budget she can tell you like you know where we have like 25 dollars stashed for like pizza or something like that i'm sure that's very true (laughs) i know where all the money's hidden that's right (laughs) which is nowhere (laughs) (laughs) we have no money so you know it's great no well i wouldn't say that i would say that we are well funded to provide the services that we need to fund but there is no fat (laughs) right yeah i mean i think that that like i know you were being sarcastic but like but like truly (laughs) truly there is no fat in this budget yeah this was the first year that i have gone through every single line item i think we have like nine thousand. i went account by account every single department and ran actual spending compared to budget um, over the past couple of years and we truly trimmed it down as much as possible so i would say it's one of the tightest budgets we've ever had at least since i've been here mm-hmm. well and the reason for that is that our board wanted to go actually below revenue neutral because you know obviously a lot of people um, in the county were alarmed is probably the right word when they got their um, property tax revaluations at the beginning of 2023 and went oh my gosh, what's going to happen to my tax bill? Yeah, because the his, the property values jumped by a historic margin. Like yeah. we haven't seen property values jump that much in I don't know how long. Well, I think their tax office was saying like most residents saw somewhere between a 50 and 75% increase. And obviously there are outliers and people that saw even yeah. more than that. There's, yeah. you know, people that were lucky and saw less than that. Yeah, but. great for your resale value, a yeah. little scary for your tax bill. But right. luckily, <laughs> luckily we had that 20 cent drop. Um, so Taylor, maybe just for the audience, describe a little bit about what revenue neutral is, because that's probably a term that most people are kind of like, uh, it's so jargony. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't go to school for for math nerd stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's it's been so eye opening because I live in Mecklenburg County and they just did a revaluation as well. So I've been hearing my friends who own homes be like, they're talking about income neutral or revenue neutral, and so I've had found myself explaining what it actually means to them. So I've had a little bit of practice, but. Basically, the revenue neutral rate is the tax rate that would generate the same amount of property tax revenue that you received in the prior year. But the calculation does allow for some natural growth. So, for example, if our naturally our county is growing 3% each year, aside from reval years, we'd get to capture that 3%. That makes sense. So, the public published revenue neutral rate this year was 62.1 cents. And the tax rate they ended up adopting was 61 cents so just below revenue neutral so like i think we had talked about this in previous previous budget episodes but like 
basically one one penny of a tax rate. What does that equate to now in terms of like our our budget dollars? Three three million. Okay. Because I know that used to be closer to like maybe 2.2 .2 or 2.3 million. Yeah, pre-revaluation, a penny was roughly $2 million, and wow. now it's roughly three. That's mm -hmm. insane. Because That's, the property values went yeah. up so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is great. Like, it's indicative of major growth mm -hmm. for our county. Yeah, so when we're talking about the budget, so we cut our property tax rate 20 cents, so that's $60 million right there. So when I was telling you that our total new requests were 40 to 50, right off the top we're saying, okay, we can't fund 60 million of the total requested budget that we're starting mm -hmm. off with. Mm -hmm. So it got beyond even what had been requested over and above and then kind of goes back to what you're talking about, like literally going through line by line and scrubbing line items, which our department, just like everybody else got. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> we got we got Mr. Cleaned by Taylor. <laughs> we cut our own budget. I think I made sure we didn't have an extra penny in the budget and strategy office. Yep. So no one was safe. Yeah. There's <laughs> that it is without uh, favor or um whatever the line is. Basically like doesn't matter who you are. You're everybody's getting the pain. And I think Elizabeth looked at this, but it's the lowest tax rate on record, we think. Well, w short of crawling into the physical file stored in the basement of the county admin building, <laughs> as far as we know, it's the lowest. But what's weird is like, so I was looking back through like old, old meeting minutes. And back before like the 1970s, when you get into the 60s and the 50s, it's the budgets were just very different back then like it's hard to even compare what we're doing now with what was going on back then so like yes it is the lowest tax rate that we can tell within you know with a reasonable search of the files we have access to but also like the budget's just incredibly different now than it was then. Well, yeah. I mean, you start going back to the 60s. I mean, if we had an IT department, it's not at all what no. it is today. If we had, I mean, the library only goes back so far. I mean, there's just certain departments that like probably either yeah. weren't in existence or were very, yeah. very different. And the landscape of like what counties may and must do is just different yeah. now than it was back then. There's more, I would say there's more expectations for government especially in Gaston County, to do programs for the benefit of the people. We're providing more, way more services now yeah. than we ever have yeah. in the past. Because I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past on this podcast about how we kind of have, like, historically we have low property values and a high-needs population. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Taylor? Yeah, so the same is true today, but obviously we just did the revaluation, so our tax base is increasing. Um, so we're obviously seeing a lot of population growth, uh, just economic growth overall, since we're right outside of Charlotte. Um, so historically, like Elizabeth said, we've had a low, um, low property values. And so we've had to have a high tax rate because we are providing a lot of services because we have a high needs population. So this year, now that our tax base has grown so much, we're able to capture some of that growth, still provide the services because we still have a high needs population, but do it um, at a lower tax rate. So when you say high needs population, like what what sort of needs are we are we talking about there? Well, I think we're kind of just talking about the the kinds of programs that you might typically see with um, 
I don't know. I, I feel like in a lot of surrounding counties, you see a lot more help from area nonprofits who are stepping in to mm-hmm. provide kind of that social safety net for our most vulnerable. And we do have that in Gaston County and the organizations that we do have are carrying an enormous burden. Um, you know, it's their mission. It's not a burden, but they're having to do more because I, there just aren't quite as many of those types of organizations here. So what we mean is just that the county is maybe stepping in a little bit more than you would see in other places of comparable size. You know, we're like the ninth most populous county in North Carolina. Um, but if you look at the other top 10 counties, proportionally, their counties are providing a lot of the same services, but we're tending to provide a little bit more of those kind of services for the vulnerable. So like our, we have a, a, a heavy draw on like our Department of Health and Human Services, for yeah. example, or, or like we provide, I mean, access, I guess, is yeah. part of DHHS too. And also think about like our housing rehab program. We mm-hmm. were just talking about that this morning because they won a statewide award for the housing rehabilitation that they're doing. So they're actually That's fixing awesome. up houses um, and not every county offers off, office not every county offers a service like that. Um, You know, we do have Habitat for Humanity, but we are also doing it to provide those services for residents. But And the good thing is a lot of those programs are grant funded. It's like the housing rehab, for example, that's grant funded. Another example would be like our domestic violence shelter. So Mm -hmm. in other counties that may be um, run by a nonprofit organization, whereas here it's run by the county. Mm -hmm. And so even though it's funded by mostly grant dollars, there are still costs associated with it, like HR, IT, and things that are supported by property tax dollars. So it still does cost the county, even if the majority of the program is grant funded. Mm -hmm. When I remember when just earlier this year, when they opened the new home for the lighthouse, for the- um, A child advocacy center. Yeah, child advocacy advocacy center. Center. Good God. yeah, they were talking about how it used to be run by a nonprofit, and then it was brought into the county to make it better fit with some of the services DSS was providing um, to connect better with um, kind of guiding people through the court system and working with the police departments. And it just um, it it's done so much for making it a more successful and a better experience for the victims, mm-hmm. um, and in uh, helping ensure that they get justice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's hard to put a dollar figure to something like that. Yeah, that's another great example because I know another county's children's advocacy centers again are either run by nonprofits and they may receive some government dollars, but they're typically not operated by the government itself. So mm-hmm. we're in a unique position in Gaston County, uh, which is exactly what we were talking about when we said high needs population, and also referring to things like income, education, um, sure. percent eligible for Medicare, Medicaid, things like that. Mm-hmm. are all considerations where we're talking about high needs. Yeah, I mean, we're we're certainly growing a lot as a county and we're changing, but like, I mean, we're still a pretty blue collar county in terms of our workforce. We've reached the point in the podcast where we're stopping to do a commercial. But no, it's not selling you something. It's telling you something. Did you know Savvy Citizen now has a live music series? Check out the monthly episodes of Savvy Sounds where we bring you original music and interviews with musicians from in and around Gaston County. View it on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Just search for the Savvy Sounds playlist. I wanted to go back to, to kind of the whole process of when you're looking at a 20-cent cut and, you know, we ended up going 
a little over a penny below revenue neutral with this adopted budget. What does that look like when you when you compare that to what departments were asking for and where we ended up? Gosh, we were looking at this the other day. I think the total amount of new requests, so not even just sustaining what you have to to keep the lights on, but just new or expansion requests was 40 or $50 million from departments. So you're starting the budget off with, you have your base, which is whatever it was last year, you right. have to factor in inflation, and then you're factoring in this 40 to $50 million in new or expansion requests on top of that. Uh, so that's really where we start. And then it's obviously a long process from there. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's for a lot of people within the county, it's it's a painful process. I mean, the you know the the requests that are out there. I mean, a lot of that is due to growth and trying to make sure that we're providing the best public service possible. Mm -hmm. And you know, we we talk about this all the time, but it's like we're having to stretch our current staff to do a lot more with less, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, th I'm sitting here thinking back to communication zone department requests. Right. It's it's all stuff that you need. You know, we yeah. need an extra video editing station because we have four employees who are capable of editing videos, but only one station and only one yep. person can sit at the station at a time. So this is a need that if we want to be making more video content, then we need to do this. But it's you know you got to weigh that against all the other needs, and the county does so many different things, and mm -hmm. it's just it's you know. It's difficult. Yeah, I think we touched on this in another episode, but it's like apples to oranges. So we're talking about editing, video editing software, but then, okay, Jim's asked for paramedics. So right. how do you compare the two? How do you prioritize? How do you say someone needs this more mm -hmm. than another department needs this? Mm -hmm. And that's where the work of our county manager or executive leadership team really comes in clutch because they have that bird's eye view and they're in direct communication with the board all the time so they know really what the board's vision is because at least from the budget side you know our our role is to like help help verbalize the department's needs right yeah, and but we're facilitate not facilitate the process. Yeah, facilitate the process, but we're not necessarily the ones like saying yay, nay, good, right. no, because it, it truly is like at the end of the day, what gets funded is at the will of the commissioners. Yes. So especially for the new and yeah. expansion things. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting place for us to sit. And you see, I mean, you get to see all of the needs. You get to see all the requests. You get to have these conversations. I mean, you guys have really expanded the budget process to make it a, a, a thorough. Um, I'm not saying lengthy in a bad way, but a lengthy process. I mean, you stretch it out over the course of almost six months. It's at least. well considered. Right, right. I mean, it's, and yes. I mean, even this past year, I mean, it ended up getting shortened because we ended up passing the budget a little bit earlier than normal. Um, but you guys have really done a good job of, of trying to make sure that like, not only are departments asking for things, kind of what you were talking about earlier, Taylor, but they've got to provide kind of data and and not just like well we need it okay mm -hmm. why do you need it show us you know show us you know is it response times is it like you know work requests and you know we have more than what we can handle with existing staff you know from a standpoint of going out and getting different equipment it's like do you just do you not have the capability to do what you need to do do you have stuff that's aging that you know isn't you know, is going to fall apart at some point. Yeah, um, that's the hard part and the fun part of our job. So I say fun because we get to know a little bit about what everyone does. And I love seeing all the backup data for their needs. And departments have been really intentional and thoughtful about it. And so I really appreciate that. And I love working directly with them during the process. But on the other end, in a year like this year, where we couldn't really fund a lot of new or expansion requests, and we are even 
going in cutting down just their basic operating lines, it's a tough year because we have insight into what everyone needs. And then when we're not able to fund it, um, that can be tough. It's tough to communicate it. And then it's tough, I don't know, feeling as well for us. Yeah, because you see all of the need. Like, you know, we're the ones reading through the like five page long memo of Mm -hmm. why you know ace needs xyz or ace i mean animal care and enforcement right (laughs) every single one that you know there's truly i could i can't think of a single department or request that wasn't founded in a legitimate need Totally yeah, agree. it's not like yeah. you're getting these requests from departments that's like, oh, the police department's asking for a private jet. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> like that just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, we have so many great employees, and it always it always links back to providing better service to residents. And so it is, it, you know, you do you want to shed a tear about all the missed opportunities, but you know, there's only so many resources, and we want to be fair to taxpayers. So. Exactly. Yeah, that goes back to the budget theme for this year. Uh, it was responsibility. So we're trying to be responsible to taxpayers, especially post revaluation. But we also need to be responsible in the way that we provide services. So balancing um, what we need to do to get the job done, to handle all the population growth, and then fit in some new or expansive things wherever we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we probably get more comments this year than almost any other year just because of how big of a jump there was with the property revaluations. Um, and I saw a comment from from a resident on Facebook, which of course is the mecca for high level discussion and nothing ever crazy goes on there. Um, but basically saying like, well, you don't do anything for my property, so why am I paying property tax? And I, I think sometimes there's a general misunderstanding about like what property tax does. It's not necessarily like, oh, the, the county government is going and doing things for your property specifically, you're paying a property tax to fund all of these different things that the county government does for the county in general, right? Yeah, and just to talk a little bit about the basic breakdown of where property tax dollars are going. So uh, the county's general fund, which is our big general operating fund, it's about $322 million this year. So property tax funds 58% of that, so a little bit over half. Hmm. Um, And then when you're looking at expenditures, human services is our top expenditure. So it accounts for about 30% of the budget, but most of that is funded with state or federal dollars. So when you're talking about property tax dollars, really that's going towards public education, number one, Hmm. and then public safety. Those are the top two um, where your property tax dollars are directly going. Yeah. I think that's a little confusing to wrap your head around sometimes. Like, yeah, one of our top expenditure categories is human services. We've just spent a long time talking about our high needs population, but so much of that is reimbursed that yeah. it falls. You know, it's mm-hmm. that's not really what people's property taxes are funding necessarily. Well, I think we saw that with the position requests this year. Like, I mean, I think it was what, 23 requests and 19 of them were mostly or almost exclusively funded through state or federal dollars because a lot of it was tied back to like the Medicaid expansion stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. We had like over a hundred, I think, new full-time position requests. It was a record. And then we ended up funding 23 of those. And so 17 were in DSS. And like you said, uh, 16 of those 17 were for the Medicaid expansion where basically more of our population is going to become eligible. So we needed caseworkers and then two supervisors to assist with um, the increase in that program. Mm-hmm. And I know one of our um, administrators over at DSS, uh, Michael Kuhn, he is 
great with data. He is a whiz. And he, I don't remember what it was, but he was kind of trying to put some perspective on how Medicaid expansion impacts us as a county. Because, you know, you think about, okay, so there's more people who are going to be eligible. Well, those aren't the only people we're going to be interfacing with. There's also a whole other group of people who are going to be applying for it and who are going to be reaching out mm. and asking um, for more information about how they can access it. So it's, you know, the number of people who are going to be eligible, I don't remember the number of people off the top of my head, but, you know, basically like double that, triple that, because that's how many people are going to be reaching out about it. So it really is kind of a massive deal for them over at social services. Yeah, and if you connect them to that one service, then it kind of opens up, okay, they figure out how to get connected to these other services. Um, so it'll be a big increase in service demand. Mm -hmm. It's interesting as we're recording this because right now we're going through a, a different process where we're looking at the, the people that were just nominated internally for Employees of the Year. Congratulations, Elizabeth, by the way. Yay. Um, there were um, a number of people that were nominated and the, the folks that are gonna win the team award this year internally um, are, are a group of folks at DHHS that have been working with the Haitian Creole population. A lot of folks that have come out of Haiti um, that are living here um, in Gaston County now and have a very low level of trust in government. Um, a lot of them don't speak English or speak very little English, and so needed people to help connect them with um, resources. And so we've had a lot of staff that have kind of gone above and beyond, have worked with our libraries, have worked with um, the Gaston Literacy Council to try to connect folks. Um, and we were talking with um, Angie Karchmer just a little while ago, the head of DSS, and she was saying like they've even connected them with Dole to help some of them get jobs, those of those um, that have green cards and have the ability to work. Um, so doing things like that, like it, it shows like the willingness of, of county staff to go above and beyond, um, when there are, I wouldn't necessarily call it a crisis, but a very unique opportunity, um, where there wasn't a clear agency or, or person that would step up and kind of fill that need. If we can, I'd like to kind of shift the shift to a, some, a different topic, but no, you're not allowed. <laughs> How dare you? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Well, okay. I, I'm I'm just gonna talk about it anyways. Okay, Adam. Uh, fine. <laughs> I'll just mute your mic. <laughs> well, okay. So part of the budget process, we've just spent a while talking through about the departmental budget process, where the departments submit requests and they're evaluated by management, and then the board ultimately adopts them. One thing that is, um, I still want to call it new because it's really only like the second or third year, second year that we've done the capital improvement process. Mm, yep. Um, and so Taylor, would you explain a little bit about what do we mean when we say capital improvement process and why are we doing it? Yeah, so uh, like Elizabeth just said, I think it was the second year of implementation. But when we talk about capital improvement planning or capital improvement program, we're talking about any equipment or capital projects that cost over $300,000. And so in the past, we didn't really have a formal way that these projects were considered or evaluated it, we just received a list from our public works department saying, hey, these are things we're looking at. This is what we'd like to do. And then management would evaluate that list. And so, one thing that's, sorry to interrupt yeah, you, but good. one thing I think that's important to point out, because maybe not everyone knows this, but the county's budget is adopted every single year. Right. So every single year is a fresh new budget. And if you're taking the budget, ordin the budget ordinance at face value, pretty much it's just a one-year plan. 
And the capital improvement plan changes that for capital planning purposes, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it's a five-year plan. So that's really important when you're looking at capital projects. I mean, some 50 to $100 million projects that are going to take any, you know, five to 10 years. So you can't really just plan for those one year at a time. So we started looking at, okay, what's a better way to do this? What are some other counties? What are they doing um, to better plan for the future? So we started our new capital improvement plan process where we have a committee that accepts all their requests, evaluates them. Um, this year we had departments come in and do presentations on their projects if there were any questions. Um, so it's a, definitely a more thorough evaluation process and it has more of a long-term lens and it's been working really well for us so far. What are some um, examples of things do you know off the top of your head quiz show? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. putting on the spot. What are some examples of things that got funded? Some really fun, cool stuff like parking lot improvements, yeah. sidewalks. Um, Stripe those bad boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, here's here's one that actually is fun and cool and new. Playground updates. Yes. Yep. That's true. There was a lot of stuff for parks, now that you're saying that. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the smaller stuff was for parks, so like the sidewalks, the playgrounds. So two of the biggest projects that we had, so they won't actually start construction, but just we allocated design dollars for were a public health building renovation mm -hmm. and then the design of an eventual public safety campus. So those are two projects that have been kind of talked about at least over the past year or two. Um, and as of this year, they're on the books as starting the design phase. So those were the two biggest projects that were part of the CIP this year. And those are ones, I know that the public health has a special line of funding for their building, or at least for most of it, but like the, the public safety campus, like that is something that we're going to need to go out and do like bonds for like once we actually get to the construction phase, right? Yeah, exactly. And the same thing with the public health renovation. So they have their own dollars that'll help fund some of the design, but the project itself, I can't remember what the total estimate was at this time, but that's probably something we'd have to issue bonds for just like the public safety campus. Can it? Can I quickly divert into to bonds real quick before we get back to the the yeah. list of other projects? So we recently were upgraded by Moody's to a AAA rating, first time in the county's history. Yeah. Which I know we're all nerds. We're all excited about that. Why should the average citizen be excited about that? Because uh, it saves them dollars. Um, so when we have a high bond rating, we receive better interest rates on our debt. And when you're issuing, like I said, hundreds of million dollars of debt either school bonds or for county capital projects, interest adds up. And so that's a huge deal for us and it'll result in significant savings over uh, the life of the bond. So it's like a large part of what you guys do. And now it's like, we're not gonna say like, this is all the budget office. Like, I mean, this is all, this is everybody working together. The board yeah. with their vision, Dr. Eagle and the leadership team and the, and the budget staff, the finance staff. Finance, yeah. But this is, this is several years of work of being really um, diligent with how we spend taxpayer dollars and it's the the rating organizations are rewarding us basically mm -hmm. saying like you guys are doing a great job we feel like Gaston County is a great investment yeah we're not just talking the talk we're walking the walk and Moody's knows it that's right <laughs> I feel like that needs to be like a, an ad now for Gaston <laughs> County yeah exactly it's a combination of we're doing the right things and we're being really fiscally responsible and then we're also experiencing all this growth that we've been talking about and that's reflected in our economy. And so that's a huge factor when it comes to bond ratings. Hey, citizens, are you feeling savvy yet? If not, let's take a break and hear about some cool things happening in and around Gaston County. Want to know what's coming up in the month ahead? 
check out our Looking Ahead videos, produced each month in both English and in Spanish. We feature key dates, events you'll want to mark your calendars for, and so much more. Watch them on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Find them in the Ion Gaston playlist. So we we were talking about some of the the projects. We obviously talked about the the two really big ones that are going through design phase. But what are some of the other ones that are um, kind of in that capital improvement plan that that got approved? So two um, ones that I'll note because they're projects that go with the NCDOT's pro Department of Transportation's projects. They are doing um, so they're widening I eighty five, and so as part of that project it crosses over a bridge into Gaston County. And mm -hmm. so we're contributing money basically for the bridge betterment um, for the aesthetics to make it look really nice when people are entering the county and exiting. Mm -hmm. um, to, to get, because to be clear, counties don't do roads. That's one of the yes. things that counties don't do. Right. Yeah, so we're not paying for the actual road construction, but we're contributing to those massive projects, um, some county funding for basically the aesthetic piece. And that's a big part from like an economic development standpoint. Like, I mean, when they bring people into Gaston County, I mean, for the vast majority of, of clients that are coming here to look at maybe bringing projects here, they're going to fly into Charlotte Douglas. They're going to enter Gaston County on 85 crossing that river. It's, it's a chance for us to put our best foot forward for people that maybe don't know much about us. So, I mean, it sounds like, oh, this is kind of fluff, but it's actually really important to potentially being a a piece of, of attracting people here, whether it's businesses or new residents. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What else that was in the budget this year or about the process kind of stood out to you as, as unique, different, challenging, fun, stressful? Um, you talked about a condensed timeline earlier. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. the most stressful part for me. Um, we presented at the end of April, which usually we present in May, um, try to adopt it by the end of May. But I mean, some counties don't even adopt or present until June. And so this was the earliest we've done it in my time here. Um, and we always joke about in the budget office that someone always either buys a house or graduates or gets married during budget season, <laughs> like right in April or May. And that's exactly what happened. So <laughs> bought a house, got engaged, like all in a month, um, right for the budget process. So personally, it was like an exciting mm. and chaotic time. And also yeah. you got to celebrate by staying up till 3am working on the budget. Exactly. My favorite Man, way to celebrate. To <laughs> I know. As I'm like planning a wedding, like I'm to plan it right for budget time and just disappear i couldn't avoid it it just it had to be done it was yeah. the only time they were available at the venue yeah another cool thing that is new this year was the format of our um basically our meetings with the de departments hmm. do you want to talk about that yeah too? yeah i'm so glad you reminded me of that so i think on my past podcast appearances i've talked about how we've kind of changed the process um where we're still meeting with departments individually, but we've changed kind of the submission process. Um, we've created a standardized form for when we do meet with them that talks about like their accomplishments, their challenges, trying to give a more holistic view of the department instead of just they come in with their line item budget and we go over, okay, what line items are increasing or decreasing and why. Um, so we took that one step further this year and we actually had presentations. So each department gave, I think like a 15 to 30 minute presentation mm -hmm. on their department, their services, um, what they'll be requesting for the upcoming budget. And they actually presented in front of their peers. So we split the groups into the focus areas from the county strategic plan, 
Um, so they presented with it to those focus areas. And I think it went really well. It was honestly my favorite part of the budget process because we get to hear those kind of pitches from the departments and the department meetings, but they never pitch to say in front of their peers. And so to hear the feedback, um, either from questions during the meeting or after, I just thought it was really successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like it kind of raised the stakes and kind of like a fun way because it's like not only are you trying to impress the county manager with your department's accomplishments and your request but you're also trying to show off to all your peers all the all the cool things that you've been doing over the past year which which i don't know i kind of love that (laughs) yeah exactly i i liked it because i was like okay if you feel comfortable enough to request this in front of a room full of people who also need a lot of other things then yeah that kind of validates it and also i feel like it kind of pulled back the curtain for departments because you know the the thing that i fear is like if you don't see the whole process like at least Mm -hmm. from from our perspective i feel like our perspective you know getting to see every single department's request really kind of gives us an appreciation for like how hard everyone works and how much everyone truly needs. And to give everyone else a chance to like get that perspective, I thought was just really valuable. Yeah, I agree. It made the process more transparent, which I find really enjoyable. Because like we said, our job is to facilitate the process. And so making it transparent kind of holds us accountable, holds departments accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, It just added a different layer that I really liked this year. Yeah. So if you're a resident and the the tax bills will go out in mid-July so people will kind of get a chance to see their final tax bill, it's not just the county rate. So there's the county rate plus something, and it depends on where you live, right? Yeah, because there's – so the county rate applies to every property inside Gaston County. But then you've got a bunch of other governments, a bunch of other entities, for example – any municipality. So Gastonia has its own tax rate. Matt Holly has its own tax rate. Belmont has its own tax rate. And if you live within a municipality within the county, it's like a ne- Russian nesting doll situation. <laughs> you, have, you have to have, you pay both taxes. Same goes with our, our unified fire district. The county has a, a unified fire district, um, but it is not necessarily inclusive of the entire county. So there is its own district with its own borders that um, overlap with a a lot of the county, but is not necessarily the whole county. So if you live inside that fire tax district, you will also have a fire tax rate. And I don't know of others. There may be others. I think that's generally it. Because I think Mm -hmm. for the most part, like if you live outside of an incorporated area, you're going to pay that unified fire district rate. Mm-hmm. Although I think there are some municipalities, maybe Lowell, that joined that and basically jumped in with the different yeah. districts. Um, but like if you're in the city of Gastonia, for example, they have their own fire district and it's covered by the city's tax. Yeah. And just, you know, if you live outside of Gaston County, there could be other districts that have their own taxing mm-hmm. authority other than county, municipality, or fire. I feel like it's part of why we do the podcast. It's part of why our office does a lot of what we do is to try to let people know where your tax dollars are going and like the value that you're getting in your tax dollars. And so it's, um, yes, there's, there's different entities that you're, you're getting taxed by. There's, um, Taylor, you talked earlier about property tax being a big thing, but like sales tax, you go to the store, you know, part of sales tax helps fund our overall budget and, mm-hmm. That's yeah, becoming a bigger part of the budget, I think, right? It is. Yeah, we've been fortunate to experience 
tons of sales tax growth, even during COVID when we thought it was going to go down. Um, fortunately, we're not relying on tourism dollars. Right. So people were staying in Gas County, spending their dollars here. And so our sales tax really exploded and hasn't slowed down since. Um, we see signs of it starting to, but um, we are seeing anywhere from like 11 to 15% increases like year over year. Wow. So we were able to capture some of that in the budget this year, which also helped us lower the property tax rate. Mm -hmm. And speaking to the property tax bills that are going out, so everything we're talking about here today is the county tax um, right. and related to the county tax rate. So we have a tax bill insert that will actually go out with every single tax bill that shows the breakdown of where where the funding comes from. So like that 58% property tax that I was talking about earlier that funds our general fund. It breaks down that and then it shows where your property tax dollars are going. So like public education, public safety, that kind of thing. And it even has an example tax bill. So let's say your property is valued at $200,000. It breaks down how the tax bill would be calculated on that property and then gives an example of where those dollars are going. Just like you're facing inflation with your personal spending, mm -hmm. your personal budget, the government's facing inflation with all of the services we provide. And so we can go below revenue neutral, we can cut our tax rate 20 cents, but the budget itself is still technically an increase from the prior year because there's things that we have to fund, uh, either contractually or just inflationary increases in expenses um, at the baseline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... Whether you're eating out or buying groceries or or filling up your car, I mean that that's all stuff that like on some level our departments do too. And so it's like mm -hmm. we're all kind of feeling that pinch. And then from a county government perspective, probably on a broader scale, because you know we're you know filling up a whole fleet of vehicles of ambulances and and you know cars to get social workers to houses and mm -hmm. all sorts of fun stuff. Exactly. So that was kind of the tension this year. Like, how do we provide some relief to taxpayers who are facing inflation? They're facing these new property uh, property values that just skyrocketed um, while also taking care of the same inflationary pressures that we're experiencing providing the services. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, Taylor, Elizabeth, thank you so much for, for joining us and um, giving a little bit of insight as to the whole budgeting process. And um, Taylor, we look forward to seeing you about this time next year. Can't wait, <laughs> unless I'm on my honeymoon. <laughs> oh, that's true. Unless unless you go forward with the whole yeah. uh, strategic plan of wedding at the wrong time. It'll be mm. a convenient one month honeymoon. Uh, <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll have her zooming in with like a, a mai tai or something from. Oh my god! Don't make island. her. Don't make her come to work on her honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's she probably would. a little rough. <laughs> thanks, All guys, right, for thanks. having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. It's produced by the Gaston County Communications Office with hosts Janet Schaefer, Dan Drew Bradley, Elizabeth McGee, and Adam Gobb. Joshua Braswell serves as executive producer, and Gavin Stewart serves as field reporter and producer. Please like us and share reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. There may be few things worse on this planet than fire ants and mosquitoes, and next week on the show... We're talking with Peyton Flowers from the Gaston County Cooperative Extension about how you can protect yourself from both.